Welcome to the True Face Podcast. Oh, good morning. I noticed we have a few extra people in town. Yeah. This morning on my way to work. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Four hundred, five hundred thousand. I don't know what in the world the Phoenix Open brings in, but it's it's up in there. Yeah. I, it took me ten minutes to turn into our parking lot yesterday. Wow. Usually it takes ten seconds. Yeah. 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 That was fun. I the think Phoenix Open. I predicting somewhere between 550 and 600,000 this week. Wow. The largest sports event in America. I That's why it's that hard to get to work. Yeah. yeah. So apparently everyone listening, you're already here. So <laughs> just stop in. So welcome to Phoenix. Welcome to Phoenix. It's beautiful uh, wow. here. It is. It is. We're continuing in this podcast series of several months called The Ascent of a Leader Applied to churches applied to faith communities um, and the leaders and the followers who are part of that. So last week, you may remember if you listened to the podcast that we just prior to uh, recording this podcast, we had our staff team together and we asked the question of that first rail environments of grace. What are the qualities of an environment of grace? It's a great exercise for you to do as well, wherever you might be in a home church or some faith community or home group. So Brittany uh, has a list of those that we covered last week, as well as some that we didn't get to. And why don't we start on that? Yeah. Well, also, if you guys want to follow along at all and see those ladders that Bruce is talking about, you can just go to our website and that's trueface.org forward slash ascent ladders a s c e n t l a d d e r s and then you can see kind of those rails that he's talking about um so one of the ones that we almost make a jingle out of that (laughs) she said that yeah we've made jingles before yes we have auto tune that into a jingle and that will be our new opening for the podcast look for that (laughs) look for that um so we, we wanted to start today with one of the ones that we didn't cover last week, which was that you don't earn your way into an environment of grace, um, but that you trust your way hmm. in. Let's talk about that. Uh, trust Bill. your way into the environment of grace. <laughs> oh, no, here we go. I can deteriorate What was the question? Fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, why is it for an environment of grace that we don't earn our way in? but we trust our way in. Yeah, yeah. The other uh, rail, of course, has to do with relationships of trust. We'll get to that. But, but critical to experiencing grace is trust. And, and therefore, uh, am I willing to be a person who enters into a place where I both have to trust and be trusted? If I think I, I'm going to be accepted because I'm the ace you need to do whatever you're going to do, I'm going to try to earn my way in. But I'll do that, but you'll never know me. The the, the dynamic we're looking for here is how do I get into a place where I can be known? I can't do that without trust. I think about the fact that we not only make a choice to enter, we don't earn our way, Jesus earned our way into the room of grace or the environment of grace. But we also make choices to stay there. So what, what was that one called, Brittany? Mm-hmm. There was some, something on a list. We, we talked about the commitment to stay in. 
mm-hmm. even when things get messy. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought things wouldn't get messy in an environment of grace after all. Come on. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the beautiful things. We talked about it a little bit last week, just that in an environment of grace, it is raw and real and you're honest about when things are messy and hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that commitment is kind of what backs it up or it, in my experience, what makes it worth emotionally worth being so messy because people are committed to staying in yeah. even when you really don't have it together. Mm-hmm. It just keeps racquetballing around in my mind. I think it's in Romans where it says, and the free gift is not like the trespass for one man's trespass. We were all doomed and, and by one man and God's sacrifice, we were all given this free gift and it's an eternal gift. So it's not, it, it can't be anything other than receiving what, the power of this invitation. And, and then that continues just like in Galatians five, one, which we talk about a lot it was for freedom that he set you free. Therefore into that freedom, you're, you're going to get to maybe live and fail. And, and so it, it it's all about that trust, trusting what has been given versus what you can earn. Can't earn, yeah. can't really earn a gift. Yeah. You can offend someone by saying, no, let me earn that from you. Yeah. I think one of the things we're learning about ourselves and others is that when you use the word messy, uh, we we want to appear so together. Yeah. So one of the things that we say to a lot of people, if you're over 20, the older you get, the more clumsy it is and the more difficult it is to be clumsy. And, and oh, so, so you just kind of get into that dynamic mm-hmm. where you go, is this for real? Yeah. I don't know how to do this very well. So are you saying, Bill, like uh, when you're over 20, which is just funny but also true, you're going to be bad at this and now you're going to be more embarrassed the more years that go by that you're bad at it. Exactly. Exactly. Because it feels clumsy. And I'm not – and I've I've spent so much (laughs) of my life appearing to be together and now you're putting me into a place where you're saying to me that the commitment – could get clumsy, and I go, oh, man, this better be worth it because I'm not used to not being on my game. Yeah. That That's okay. a huge mm-hmm. issue here. I, I personally want to pick up on that word, Brittany, commitment. Um, so many times in faith communities, let's call them churches, uh, we're not sure what the basis for our fellowship is. Yeah. And for many people, it's it's a doctrinal relationship. We, we agree, quote, on the doctrine, but never at the reality of, of two things, the impact of my doctrine on who I really am. And then it's easier for me to agree with you on what we believe than it is for, for me to let you into who I really am. Mm-hmm. So that commitment is a, not a commitment to a doctrine, mm-hmm. It's a commitment to a relationship, the doctrine of which should heal the relationship. Oh, yeah. And and that commitment, see, we don't believe, therefore, that it's actually a relational commitment. We just believe that we believe the same thing. Exactly. And so if we've been all this time feeling like a great person and someone in their commitment comes to challenge what we're doing, it's it's probably going to be real difficult to believe they're actually being committed to us versus trying to gun us down. Right. So right. obviously we have to 
check our own motives in something, but just because someone is addressing something or coming to someone and saying, hey, this isn't right, doesn't mean that they're after you. And yet that's how it's going to feel always if you're com- the reason that you feel you're committed to is because of doctrine. I think, Bruce, you and I have a commitment story that I think we could just talk yeah. about. I mean, we, we're kind of like two of the guys that have been forming a lot of this stuff. And, and yet in our own relationship – at the, in the early days, those first four or five years, there was a lot of tension, especially in my uh, feeling often that Bruce was hard for me, and I had eight million evidences of it. Uh, Man, until, it took up a whole room. Exactly. <laughs> well. uh, until we went for a walk in Los Angeles, and both of us were very aware that if this doesn't change, we're not going to be able to continue to make it. It was tragic. It's possibility. And it really was the Lord who caused me that day to believe something about Bruce. And that was I could trust his commitment. And once I knew that I could trust Bruce's commitment, it isn't like we always agreed. No, it was like I never let the disagreement rob me of my assurance of his commitment. That's how we stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so this, this is a big, deep, big, big, what we're talking about right now is a huge deal because very few people have commitments with anyone at a level in which disagreement would not create separation. Mm-hmm. Well, we just hit a pain point right there mm-hmm. yeah, for, a, for a lot of the people listening because we just hit some pain points for me. Uh, and so if you're traveling back in your mind and thinking, ow, Ow! Uh, There's also hope in this. And since we're talking about an environment of grace, um, how do we – I think we're talking about how do we gain that commitment? And and these are part of that list. So we have more things to say. That's right. Brittany, there's one I think further down the list about a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's part of the answer to the question. part of the answer. Is that you choose to sacrifice and to – in that sacrifice – and in that commitment, suffer for others. Stop with the answers we don't like, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that associates with a rail that we'll get to eventually, uh, the fourth rail of suffering. That's part of the commitment. Yeah, it's not always just uh, full of play. It's sometimes full of disagreement, and we have um, get a chance to trust God in this environment that He has put us together. And that there will be times when we sacrifice. Um, and it's not comfortable. I remember it, you saying that to me, Bruce, about two years ago, probably, hmm. about how in, when you're in leadership, you sacrifice for others and you have to be willing to suffer for others. And I really did not understand it. Hmm. Um, I understood the words, but in, over the last two years, there have been a couple of situations where I've said, oh, that this is what it feels like. But hmm. I remember so distinctly hearing that and saying that. Sounds true, but I don't, I haven't yet experienced what you mean. That's good, Brittany. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I appreciate that, um, that history. We all have a history of learning how to do this and experience it. And even after we've done it well, sometimes we'll go back and do it poorly, clumsily, as Bill says. Mm-hmm. And then be embarrassed. Yeah, and yeah. be embarrassed. The better you did it yeah. last time, the more yeah. embarrassed you yeah. are this next time. Hooray! <laughs> it's, it's interesting the way we, um, interact 
uh, the words willing to suffer for others causes many of us to say, well, who's suffering for me? Yeah. And, and that's where this environment of grace is. Yeah. Where, where there are times when I need you to be for me. Yeah. And there are times where you need me to be for you. Yeah. And, and, and that's where that commitment becomes that mutual reality. That's a mutual reality. And if you believe that Jesus is committed to you at the core because of who he says you are, and that's not dependent on your behavior, that's not dependent on how committed you can be, that's not dependent on how fast you've gotten up the quote-unquote graph of maturity, which, by the way, doesn't exist, um, then you have a far better opportunity to see people the way God does and first see yourself the way God does. And it's still going to be hard, but that's the only way. And that's why we talk about as a foundation, this is what we mean by grace, is your identity is secure apart from your behavior. And if it is not, then you will never be able to stand with someone and suffer for someone because you won't be able to stand in for what is true about them. You'll just be trying to make it true about them. And then that's not worth it. Yes. Excellent. The, uh, these are the qualities that flow from that foundation. Amen. Thank you, David. And Brittany, we didn't quite finish the list. No. We'll get after some more <laughs> next week. See you next week on the True Face podcast. See you next week. <laughs>